You are listening to the Mythical Jesus Podcast, taking the Christ of faith seriously. A podcast that dives into faith development, cognitive development, using Jesus as the framework for that. We dive deep into the Jesus of the New Testament, showing him as the preeminent example of development and what that development looks like. Buckle your seatbelts. Sit back, enjoy the ride. This is going to be a lot of fun because diving into the Jesus narrative has never been done like this before. You can visit our website at christoffaith.org. On the site, you will find tools, resources, documents to help you in your faith development and to better understand Jesus, the teacher, and his role in that. And now, on to what you've been waiting to hear. Come thou Back again, here we are. We are in Mark. We're going to skip down. Um, we're still in chapter one, which is amazing, right? Like, who would have thought that you could take verse by verse and have this much meat in each one of these that you could spend 15 minutes outlying something deeper going on here? And and what I hope is happening, I so let me share a little bit about myself as we begin to kind of get further into the podcast, I'll be more than happy to share some stories and and help you better understand me as a host. Um, I grew up with no religion at all. Uh, just, you know, the only time I stepped foot in a church was for a funeral or a wedding. Our family was not religious. Our family had a Bible that my parents received as a wedding gift in their home, but it was never utilized. My mom was a Baptist growing up, but she stopped attending in her teenage years. My dad grew up in a home that just was not religious. My dad holds out the idea that there's a supreme uh, creator or some force bigger than us, but never lived a life where anyone around him defined that for him or taught him what that meant. So I grew up in a home with no religion. Great family. Love my parents. I have one brother. And our home life was beautiful. Like I, if I could go back in time, if time travel was possible, if I could go back in time and live my life from you know birth to the age of uh, 17 and a half again, I would do it in a heartbeat. And, and there's nothing negative that happens at 17 and a half, but what does, what does happen that does impact the importance of why I do this podcast and why I'm reaching out to have these conversations about development is that at the age of 17 and a half, I joined a high demand fundamentalist religion. And we can happily get into that more as we go on. If listeners, if any of you have any comments uh, or emails you want to send, you're going to want to send those to Bill Real Jr. B I L L R E E L Jr. at gmail.com. And I welcome that. I welcome conversation. And if you want to ask a question or ask my thoughts or criticize something I said in the podcast or say I missed something or, or say thank you for whatever good it's doing, please do that. But I joined a high demand fundamentalist religion at 17 and a half and I I am currently still on the, the membership roles of that faith and consider myself a member of that faith. But what happened was as I went through time of this 20 years, I experienced the very journey that I've been speaking to in these first six episodes. Here we are, episode number seven. And one of the things that I just found beautiful is that even as I experienced this fracture where 
I now see spirituality, religion, and life in general very different than my religion defined it for me, I still am finding incredible value by going back into these stories. And whatever Jesus was, I certainly think he was further ahead in this development than those around him. And he was doing all he could to help them get there. He was doing all he could to say and behave in ways as to encourage them, as to nudge them to move in their own development. And what I hope happens, like I, I started this kind of conversation here on the, on the idea that there's a certain kind of listener that I think this podcast is going to attract. And I, I think some Orthodox believers within their faith are certainly going to listen to this podcast. And I hope they find it beneficial and I hope they find it opening their eyes to this faith shift that all of us are encouraged and nudged by wisdom to go through. But I think this podcast is going to be most attractive to two groups. That is, one is those who have just entered this transition. And they're likely to call that shift a crisis. Like they realize like, oh my goodness, something now is different about me compared to the rest of my tribe. And so for those who are just initially feeling that fracture and feeling what they perceive or define or interpret as a loss of faith, I hope this podcast is a lifeline to you. And and again, I think this, uh, this work will expand as we move forward, as we pick up listeners, as you guys begin giving feedback and sharing what it is you like or don't like about what's being said here. Um, and, and I hope that this is kind of a, a living thing in terms of you guys having some input on what you want more of, less of, and what directions you want this podcast to go. This isn't my first podcast. Um, I, I've done other podcasts as well. And in those podcasts, I've done interviews, uh, a lot of monologue as well, like we're doing here. And I'm happy going forward to reach out to voices within progressive Christianity and to have discussions around these ideas. But I wanted to at least get you started and get you thinking about some of these things. The second group that I think will be impacted by these conversations are those who are much deeper into this faith journey. And you realize these concepts, you, you understand these ideas, and they're manna to you. Like you, you search for these kinds of things. And uh, if you go on the website, christoffaith.org, again, that's christoffaith.org, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-F-F-A-I-T-H dot O-R-G. On the website, you're going to find a ton of resources. Whether you just entered this, this development and you're in that crisis phase, that fracture phase, or whether you're in these later stages where you just see this wisdom, you've got your inner authority, you don't see black and white anymore, and you're confident on the ground that you hold. These concepts are interesting because this... The whole world as a whole is collectively moving right now into a later stage. And there are so many various authors out there. There are so many various ways of which explaining this faith development. You've got Fowler stages of faith. You've got um, Ken Wilber and uh, his spiral dynamics. You've got uh, older folks like Piaget, uh, Kohlberg, 
uh, William Perry. Um, you've got books like The Continuous Journey, no, sorry, The Critical Journey by Janet Hagberg and Robert Gulich. Uh, you've got Faith Shift by Kath- Kathy Escobar. Um, you've got Navigating a Mormon Faith Crisis by Thomas McConkie. You've got um, Faith Beyond Belief by Margaret Placentra Johnson. Uh, there's just so many different books. There's podcasts that will point people to. There's articles and things you can read online. One of the good ones is Stages of Faith by John Pauline. We've quoted him in the last episode. Uh, I simply want to say that what I hope happens is that we begin having a conversation. Like you listen to this and then you go off and you share these ideas with others and you help them to start to see development. And you'll begin to sense like this wisdom within you. And again, it's not an arrogance. It's just having done it, right? Having been there, having blazed these roads, you begin to have some confidence as you talk about them. And so to all the listeners out there, just deeply appreciate anybody we're picking up. Um, I would always suggest everyone go back and start at the beginning. Um, And I hope these episodes are interesting enough that they keep your attention. But uh, for what it's worth, I'm grateful for each of you tuning in and welcome your interaction. Again, BillRealJr at gmail.com. So in Mark 1, verse 35, and we're skipping places, and if you're, there's going to be different types of people, and some of you won't like the fact that I'm skipping some of these scriptures. And, and, you know, Mr. Real, there has to be important things in these verses you're skipping. I'm sure there is. They're just not the things I'm trying to draw out with what I'm talking about. And so feel free to go back and read those verses and shoot me a message. And if you can convince me that there's some deep developmental idea there, I'm happy to do an episode and go back and do an episode on these, these verses that we're skipping over. But in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Jesus awoke early in the morning, and he finds an isolated place to pray. And in Western thought, we, we have a certain idea of what prayer is. And in Western thought, we interpret and picture praying in certain ways. And we may picture it as kneeling with our hands together, touching at the palms. We may picture it as standing but folding our arms We likely picture it as closing our eyes. And then most importantly, that we're having this conversation, mostly one way, right? This conversation with God where we tell him what we're thankful for and we ask him for what we need and we close in the name of the Father. And that is a very Western perception of praying. It's something that um, Catholicism over a couple of thousand years and then protestant churches here in the western in the western cultures picking up on and running with and i come from a religion where prayer was very important multiple times a day we would pray and as i would reach out and have these one-way conversations with god And again, I'm open to it being two-way, and there's times in my life where I'm listening for that. But I think predominantly it's this rote mechanism, and not that they're the same words used necessarily, but some of the words are the same. There's this rote mechanism in telling God what we thank him for and asking God what we need. 
And in this mechanism, there's not as much space as Eastern culture would prefer us to leave for meditation and contemplation, for silence and for pondering and for deep reflection. And I think it's easy to picture when we read this scripture with our Western eyes, to picture Jesus getting up in the morning, going out into this isolated space and getting down on his knees or folding his arms and closing his eyes and saying, dear God, I thank you for this. I ask you for that. But I don't think that's what's happening at all. If we see this through Eastern eyes, we see Jesus going out into the space and doing so because he needs the silence in the solitude and his spending significant time contemplating, spending significant time pondering, spending significant time meditating. And as one brings in the practice of meditation and contemplation into their life, it is naturally becomes a tool and a resource that encourages and nudges one into growth. And so if you, if you go out and if you start listening to podcasts or reading books on these ideas around development, you'll find that when people are asked what is like the number one tool that helps them move from these earlier stages into these later stages to a T, people come back and say it's meditation and contemplation. It's, it's becoming aware of your awareness or observing the observer. And, and I, I don't want to take that lightly at all. Like I need to impress upon you that whether you choose to incorporate meditation and contemplation in deep ways into your life, that's up to you. But there's no ifs, ands, or buts that it is an essential tool if one wants to move deeper or quicker through these developmental stages. And it's not like, oh, if I, you know, if I take steroids, I'll get strong. It's when we meditate and contemplate, we open up our mind to an awareness, to perspective taking, to putting ourselves in other shoes and stepping back from ourselves and seeing ourselves separate in a way and watching kind of how we're living out our life and being able to come at one's life from a whole new perspective now, almost as a little bit of an outsider in which you can now say like, hey, I don't like the fact that I do that. I want to work on this and I can now see why I'm doing that. And here's how I'm going to slow that down. As we become more aware, one of the gifts that we develop on this faith journey, and we've talked about it before, and again, we'll hit on these things so many times. I worry that as we hit on these concepts over and over, you'll eventually kind of get bored of listening to them. And I hope that's not the case. I hope we're always adding something new and that you hadn't thought of before. But as we work through this development, one of the really interesting skills is perspective taking. And you can see it. You can see when you're in, uh, you can, when you're in a room with people at various stages of development, you can see folks who are in an earlier stage and they're not that good at perspective taking. And they assume the ground they hold is the right ground and everybody else is just silly for not holding the ground they hold. And you can also see others who are very good at perspective taking and they will sense the tension between those who are not 
And they come in as these soft, gentle mediators and are able to help one person see the perspective of another and help the whole room value all the perspectives that are being shared because they all have worth. And it's really a gift. And as one becomes better and proficient and maybe even gifted at perspective taking and in the development of one's inner authority, we sh- it, it just becomes so crucial to this journey. It becomes so important and it becomes a just an absolute uh, tool and a resource that will impact every conversation you have for the rest of your life. Now, we should not take lightly the number of times in the scriptures that Jesus separates himself from his disciples, from the people, um, and goes off into an isolated space to center himself, to ground himself, to meditate, to pray, to contemplate. And as we consider such, might we be open to the same within ourselves? In this particular instance, Jesus seems to ground himself and become aware that there are other places he must visit and speak and teach. Let me read this. I think this is interesting. Before daybreak, now let's go back a moment. Jesus is, that says that evening, so the evening before, that evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. So let me paint a picture here. Jesus is being looked up to at this point. There are people coming to see him. They are uh, seeking him out. He is giving them wisdom in his words, and he is healing their ailments. When one has that happening to them, it is really easy to become prideful. It is really easy to have an inflated sense of oneself in the midst of that. Who doesn't like their ego stroked? Who doesn't like people walking away going, wow, we just met Jesus of Nazareth and he just healed mom and he just said something to, to cousin Frank and he just uh, held the hand of daughter Jenny and man, what an incredible guy that is. And, and when that happens, that pride, that ego, when the ego is being stroked, the ego gets in the way. And the ego keeps us from making, um, at times, the best decisions. So Jesus just has this evening where he is um, meeting people's needs in such a way that he is being looked up to and praised. The next morning, Jesus senses, like, ooh, ooh, yeah, there's something, there's something I'm just not comfortable with here. And before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. So he contemplates, he meditates, he, he spends time pondering and thinking this through. It says later, Simon and others went out to find him. Uh, when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Again, everyone wants you to come back, Jesus. There's more people to heal. There's more words to say. There is a lot more here to, to do, my friend. But Jesus replied, We must go on to other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. 
It would be easy for Jesus to stay in one place and to receive the positive attention of those who he's already connected with. But Jesus, having gone out in the morning and contemplated and and found some sacred space to ground himself, now makes this new connection like, no, as much fun as it would be to stay here, I realize like I'm called to go do something else. And I simply want to leave it like when, if we, if we become aware of our awareness, if we can observe the observer, if we can find ways to meditate and contemplate in serious practices, we begin to separate the observer from the ego. And when we do that, we recognize making a right decision is not the fun decision or the decision we want to do. And we're able to ground ourselves and say like, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun, but this is what I'm called to go do. And so it's my hope that each of us in our life are either doing it already, or perhaps we can find a way to start to find quiet, sacred spaces to ground ourselves, to meditate and contemplate, and to begin to expand the awareness that we can hold in the moments of our daily life. Thank you. And until next time, this is the Mythical Jesus Podcast, taking the Christ of faith seriously. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing.